Welcome to the Music of America podcast, where every week we visit a different state in America and meet a different guest in the music industry. Every day, Monday through Friday, we begin in Alabama and we end in Wyoming. I'm your host, Tom Pollard. Let's talk music here on the Music of America. And the Music of America podcast continues. We're in Boise, Idaho with Michael J. Brown. And we will talk with Michael J. Brown and his musical background and his long, long history. The jingle that hits like a single. That's the slogan for Jingle Lingo. It's an advertising vehicle designed to create a unique and personal jingle to promote and position your business and make it stand out above the crowd. Think of all the musical jingles you may have heard through the years, right? Who came up with this one? Who wrote that jingle? Jingle Lingo can and will put your business into higher vision and focus on all your advertising needs. Jingle Lingo, custom made and custom designed with you for you. Through the talents of accomplished singer and songwriter Courtney Davis Jackson. Check them out today and get to work on your personalized music jingle from Jingle Lingo. www.jinglelingo.com. The jingle that hits like a single. Our guest today, Michael J. Brown. Michael J. Brown, who is also with the Wayne Barley Band. But today we're going to talk about his solo work. So, Michael, welcome aboard. We've had uh, uh, Wayne is coming up, I guess, on Friday. And we just had another one of your mates on, I think, yesterday or the day before. Uh, you guys just own, <laughs> right? You guys just own uh, Boise, I guess, right? Uh, Bob, Bob yeah. Houghton was on yesterday. Right, right. So, pretty uh, pretty dominant in that market, huh? Pretty good. Well, we're we're fairly new. I mean, we're just coming out. You know, these are songs that were written twenty and thirty years ago. You know, okay. as Wayne went through his experience, but we're just forming the band and coming together. I've known Wayne for years. I ran a thing called the Treasure Valley Songwriters Showcase for a number of years here in the Valley, where I featured um, singer songwriters, and we would do a monthly showcase where each songwriter would have about a forty to forty-five minute set. So they could do, you know, like they would in a concert. I mean, there's okay. a lot of yeah. places that will do open mics, you know, where songwriters can kind of come in and, and get a taste for how the audience reacts to new songs and such. But usually those are just a one song, two song type deal. So I wanted to, to have something where I gave the artist an actual full concert set. That's cool. That's really cool because I don't just sit up there and like uh, you, you've been to those open mic things before you know yeah and yeah. it can be it can be a hodgepodge but uh yeah. now you've given them a, a more structure and real good showcasing that's a cool idea yeah haven't done any for a while but uh, you know we we survived through the through the virus and everything and so mm -hmm. but yeah we, we you know haven't been doing those lately but they went for about two or three years and were really really good this is an audio-only podcast, but in the background, I see at least four guitars hanging up back there. How many do you have in total in your arsenal? Well, I have six different guitars right now, including a bass. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have my my main Stratocaster that I, I love to play the most, and then I have my Taylor that I write a lot of my acoustical stuff on. And yep. then I have my Epiphone Firebird as a backup, and and then I have a little um, nylon string guitar that I picked up on a mission trip to Guatemala, and oh, then wow. I have and then I have a <laughs> an old coronet guitar from the '60s that I actually inherited from one of my uncles. It's That's so cool, man! I haven't seen a coronet in decades. 
Yeah, yeah, it's a it's an original. I actually put some newer pickups on it, but uh, other than that, it's all original. And you play the telly the most? Is that your go to? Uh, my Strat, yeah. Oh, your yeah, Strat. As far as my as far as my leads go, uh -huh. yeah, that and my Taylor. I do I do most of my songwriting on the acoustic, other than a few. You know, one of the songs we're looking at today, I wrote on wrote on the electric. That's interesting though, that you choose that. I, I do the same. I I try and. I'm not a writer, but when I try to write, I begin in my acoustic, and then I see how it transposes on the electric. And I do a lot right. of blues, so a lot of acoustic blues transfers real easily. When you do a ballad, and you try and transfer it over to electric, sometimes it doesn't work. Yeah, I I, I, I try to, I, I change my lead styles, you know, I, I don't have really any one genre that I necessarily fall in, you know, I, I pretty much, my, my goal is to bring out what comes out you know not try to change it you know depending on the mood or the circumstances or what you're trying to portray in your song yeah. you know you, there's a certain feel and emotion that goes with that and i try to stay true to that emotion as i write the song so that you know kind of changes the the instrumentation and the style you know how i add the lead licks and what the bass does and all sorts of different things I use the phrase, it's easier to ride the horse in the direction he is going. There you go. And, yeah, and sometimes exactly you, just got, you just got to let the music take you, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. I talked to a guy who tried to write a gospel song. He said, it didn't come to me. I said, well, maybe you shouldn't have tried. Maybe you should have just done it, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So what is your style? Is your style to do that? You just sit and see what comes to you at the moment? Do you sit down and yeah. actually have times when you just sit to write? Or does something be noodling around all of a sudden and say, hey, this sounds kind of cool, and then something evolves out of that? What's your Yeah, practice? most of my songs come from noodling. Uh -huh. be a good way to put it. I, I find a lick or I find something I really like, and sometimes it'll you know produce a song right away other ones i've had that i've kind of noodled with for two or three years before i ever wrote a song yeah. you know, magnetized one of the songs we're looking at today that came from a little lick that i messed around with for a couple years and then finally it evolved into a song and uh, you know i, I kind of make a little bit of a statement about the <laughs> the control of media and such but uh -huh. i suppose we'll talk about that after you play it but, yeah uh, well you know. i usually talk about the songs before we play them and then we can talk about the next song see okay which which leads me to uh the first song we're going to play of yours is called waiting so long and one of the things i get a kick out of that i do and this is just my own little thing but when people send me their songs i think what have i heard that sounds like that title or what clicks up here when I read that title. And I immediately thought of a Chicago song I've been searching for so long. Right. You know? right. So this is not Chicago. This is nope. more of a country nope. song. And uh, so right. tell us about Waiting So Long and where that came from and what that's yeah. about. And the full title is actually I've Been Waiting So Long. And, and really, it's kind of a song about a, you know, one of those scenarios where there's a romance going on and, and the guy is wanting the girl to make a decision, you know, whether she's committed to the relationship. And so he's been waiting around for her to make up her mind whether she wants to be involved in this relationship or not. And that's kind of the, uh, the gist of the story that's being told in this song. Is it a life experience song or? Well, not, not a hundred percent, you know, I mean, I, I've, I've been happily married for 47 years. So, you know, by the oh, grace of God. Who knows you, you barely look 47 <laughs> years old. Jeez. <laughs> that's, 
that's one thing that I haven't had to be too concerned with. But, you know, early in my my high school years, I, I had a particular romance that, you know, I, I found out later after I'd been dating this girl for six or seven months that she was actually engaged to a guy oh. in the Coast Guard. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> and that's why she couldn't, didn't really make up her mind whether she was going to be committed to the relationship. So I suppose if it came from anywhere, that's probably the, the traces that it came from. And then funny where songs come from, man. It's that it, it just amazes me in this in this Yeah. Sometimes I just tie into the emotions that I feel from other people. Oh. You know, I, I you kinda get aware of, you know, different people's emotions and different things and you, you kinda as a songwriter you you can kind of relate to those emotions and then, you know, something comes out of it. And that, you know, this song I've been waiting so long, I think partially came out of that type of uh, effect. Well let's give it a listen. This is Michael J. Brown. The song is called I've Been Waiting So Long. Baby, can you tell me what it is I need to hear? Because I've been waiting so long and I want it to be clear. Gotta have an answer I need to know today Baby, can you tell me What it is I want you to say It's a high price to pay It'll cost you everything when you give it away So long, I've been waiting so long for you. 
so long from Boise, Idaho with Michael J. Brown on the Music of America podcast. In the little town in Kansas known as Tecumseh, you'll find Monkey House Guitars. Monkey House Guitars is a small made-to-order guitar shop. If you think it, they can build it. Some of the most beautiful handmade guitars you'll ever see, meticulously designed and crafted for your specifications. Nothing by machine, hand-laid frets, everything routed and sanded in the shop at Monkey House Guitars. The Multiverse guitar is singularly one of the most innovative and interesting guitars I've ever seen being made, and I got to watch it get made by watching the photos that they would post on Facebook, all from the hands of Luthier Mike Thompson. He's an amazing artist. So check him out, www.monkeyhouseguitars.com. Monkey House, all one word, guitars. So Monkey House Guitars, all one word. They're in Facebook, or you can find them at their website, Monkey House Guitars. Find them in Tecumseh, Kansas. If you think it, they can build it. Michael J. Brown is our guest from Boise, Idaho. Let's get a little into your pedigree, Michael. You've been married 47 years, and you barely look 47 years old, so you must have been playing music <laughs> since you were a baby. Yeah, I, I started, you know, I got my first guitar when I was eight years old. Uh, for my birthday, and I, I kind of, you know, messed around on it a little bit. You know, I didn't really take any lessons then, other than some self-taught stuff. You know, uh-huh. and then um, when I was about, oh, I want to say probably ten or eleven, I, I lived in a little place called Strike Dam, and it was a primary kind of a community built for Idaho Power. And uh, one of the guys there, Wally Billadieu, was a seasoned musician and had been playing guitar all his life. And he loved music. And he just began taking us under his wings, me and a couple other kids in the little, the little small community of 12 houses that we lived in. <laughs> and we formed a little band, you know. And back then, of course, we were playing, you know, monkey songs and the whalers. And, you know, he took us to see Paul Revere and the Raiders at, uh, you know, in back, at Boise at Bronco Stadium back in that day. And, and we got to see, he took us to see the Whalers and different things and kind of inspired us to start, you know, participating in music in, in a more serious way. And that kind of, uh, you know, evolved my style and my, my playing a little bit. And then we ended up moving to Boise, the big capital city, when my dad got a promotion to work for the State Department of Education. Uh, and I, I didn't really do anything musically for a few years. And then my sophomore year in high school, I started playing in a band with three other friends. And back then I was primarily playing bass guitar. You uh, know, my first 10 years playing in bands and such, I played, I primarily played bass. I'd always kept playing, you know, the guitar and writing, you know, a few things here and there. Mm-hmm. And then when I was about, oh, I want to say 24, I had kind of a, a big life change. I, I became a believer and uh, I, you know, went here and there in different places and uh, my music style changed a little bit and I started getting more serious about writing songs and trying to portray a positive message in my songs. Did you, you know, so- uh, did you delve any into like the Christian rock music i guess or was was christian rock even a thing then 
Yeah, Christian rock was, you know, I, I didn't really delve into that per se, because I always, you know, had a heart to reach people that, that were outside the community of believers. And so, okay. you know, I tried to write songs that would send a positive message to them. I, I really believe that if we seek, we find. And if we don't know there's anything to seek, then we don't find. And so I, I tried to write music that causes a, a curiosity, you know, in the heart of people that uh -huh. helps them to see that, yeah, there is something better. There is something higher. There's something more, you know. And uh, so that's pretty much the, the lane that I stayed in with my music writing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so interesting because I had a guy on that's, uh, his music is very dark, frankly. Yeah. You know, and he admitted it. He's kind of laughing about it, but it is. He's, uh, he's written about some really tragic experiences in his life, and it's there's no other word for it it's just really dark and it's like how how you choose to present music in part maybe is what you want to give the world out of your right game. yeah um, well, I, I lost my mother in a car accident when i was seven years old so oh my gosh i, I kind of experienced you know i had to face you know something that's eternal you know you don't you don't go back from that you know, and, I, and it really, at the time, it was very painful and caused a lot of, you know, issues in my life. You know, I mm -hmm. later turned to drugs and different things, which eventually, you know, I, I was able to get, you know, free from. But at the time, you know, I just realized, hey, there's more to life than we can see. Yeah. You know? And so I, one of the songs that, that, that people will find on my website and on iTunes and Spotify and such is a song called um, Don't Give Up On You. And, and here in Idaho, you know, in a lot of places, you know, the suicide rate is pretty high. And Idaho's one of the, the leading states for that. And this really? song is about, word? you know, how, how to get out of that dark place. You know, we find ourselves in situations and places where we don't know the answer. And we think, you know, the only voice we hear is this one that says, well, just end it, you know. And so this song, you know, really kind of strikes a chord and reaches out to people to say, hey, don't give up on you. That's powerful, man. Yeah. I, I was not aware of that about Idaho being. Like, yeah. Yeah. Do they explain as to what theories they have as to why that might be or. No, no, it's just, you know, different communities, different, different things going on, you know, and, and, and uh, the surroundings and in the environment. You know, people, they just lose hope, and there's oh. no reason to ever lose hope, you know. Amen to that. They just have to look a little higher than they're looking. You know, we look to ourselves and don't realize, hey, there's someone else that has given a whole lot for me and loves me a whole lot more than I realize. And yeah. we just have to look a little higher to find the answer. That line in Simple Man by Skinner, don't remember, yeah. son, there's something up above. It's so simple, yeah. but yeah. It, it, it's it's so clear. Yeah. Well, speaking of Skinner, gets us back into music. <laughs> and, yeah. and what we were talking about right beforehand, I've been in this cowboy music thing because, well, first of all, my the bass player of my old band is going to be a fill-in bass player for a band in St. Louis for a few months, and he's never really played country. And he keeps calling it country and western, country and western, because that's what it used to be. Right, right. It seems to have dropped the western, and a big part of that western influence were all the old cowboy songs that used to come out. And when I was in uh, in country radio back in the, I guess, late 70s, early 80s, Ed Bruce and uh, the last cowboy song, last of the singing cowboys, Marshall Tucker, Mama, Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up to Be Cowboys, so on and so forth. Right, right. I just think there's a, uh, there's a lacking 
of of cowboy music anymore and to bring right. the, the western side of country western back and then song i get from you is called ride cowboy ride so i'm a happy man <laughs> <laughs> yeah this song is uh you know it's one of those as we get a little older we tend to have a perspective where we look back on a lot of things yeah and you know we all start off in life with this great hope and expectation for what we can become and what we can do you know and all these things and then as we get older we see it's not necessarily about the short term but it's about the long term you know we're not running a, a 50 yard dash we're running a marathon in life and so right. we've got to we've got to have the right perspective and i wrote this song during covid where there was a lot of people that were you know passing away and that there was just a lot of perspective on hey you know let's let's get a let's get a little bit better grasp on this you know everybody wants to deal with life's issues in different ways and the mentality for a lot of people is well i'm just going to ride cowboy ride i'm going to just ride away from this i'm not going to deal with this uh -huh. and so really that's kind of the message of the song is hey cowboy it's sometimes it's time to cowboy up and not just ride away <laughs> so many messages just in that phrase too right away just ride cowboy ride and cowboy right. up it's yeah. it's a different message than what some songs might be addressing i guess <laughs> <laughs> trying to dance yeah. around that delicately uh, it's 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 an old machismo kind of image cowboy up man up that's what we used to, you know we grew up hearing that phrase man up you know yeah yeah and it's the expression is just these are the facts deal with it right away right right yeah, yeah. good message. that's kind of that's kind of what the song goes to and I'm, I'm a father of three sons and so kind of the third verse you know kind of deals with hey someday you know you're, you're going to understand you know that you need to slow down and learn to enjoy life yeah because that's that's ultimately you know if we can't enjoy the ride if we can't enjoy the journey then we're not going to come to a joyful end <laughs> I heard something uh, just this week. One of those real things popped up, and I can't remember who it was was talking. But uh, the 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 debate is: is it the journey, or is it the destination? And whoever was it was being interviewed said, "It's the companionship." Yeah. So it's yeah. not the journey or the destination. It's who you're sharing that moment with. That's kind of a right. neat, neat twist. Anyway, yeah, I digress. People you meet along the way, you yeah. know, if we're not, if we're not impacting them and impacting their lives and letting them impact ours, we're not learning, right. you know, that's yeah. one of the things that Gandhi said, he said, I never fail. He said, I either win or I learn. Ah. So, <laughs> you know, if we, we look at our lives that way, we're not going to be losing hope. We're not going to realize, Hey, I'm a failure or anything. We're just going to learn yep. or we're going to win. <laughs> A great philosophy and yeah. a great philosophy in the song so we're going to play it for you now this is michael j brown from boise idaho and the song is called ride cowboy ride when you were young you thought you knew what you wanted in life to be true
here on the Music of America podcast. I'm your host, Tom Pollard. We're going to get back with Michael J. Brown and talk about a song. It's more of a Southern rock kind of sound, but let's talk about this first. Bass players. The Bag is a high-quality leather gig bag family of products that are handmade in the United States with the finest craftsmanship with a beautiful, sophisticated, and very cool overall appearance. They're made of some of the finest quality leather and cushion available and meant to last literally a lifetime. They've got over 30 years' experience in the leather industry. Extremely proud to introduce the line of gig bags targeted to both the skilled professional as well as the fun-seeking novice. The hope is that you're going to love their bags as much as they do. The Bag, a high-quality leather gig family of products. Available from Tony Vaughn Base Bags at www.tonyvaughn.com. So, Michael, this next song, we'll get into it in a, in a minute or in a while because I want to talk about it, but uh, it's a different 
twist. It's more of a Southern rock flavor, but it stays with that, that country broad palette, I guess, you know, yeah, it's not, yeah. it's not rock. It's not heavy metal. It's not emo. It's not hip hop. Yeah. It's not R and B. So sure. uh, since your music all seems to center around that, I have to ask what your influences were and what your background in listening music had been. Well, you know, when I was growing up, you know, the, my favorite band was Leonard Skinner. You know, okay. they were one of my all-time favorites and always have been. And and I've always loved, you know, like the Allman Brothers, Leonard Skinner, you know, that Southern rock feel. Because really, I mean, that's where country music came from. It came out of that Southern feel. And, you know, today it's it's obviously progressed in a lot of different directions. You know, it's got a lot more poppy and different things. But, yeah. you know, that, that Southern heartbeat, you know, if it's not there, it just seems to lose something. You know, it doesn't have the it doesn't have the overall emotional feel that music, you know, really, in my opinion, should have. It's not just something to entertain you. If it doesn't give you something, it doesn't make you feel something. And really, you've missed uh, you've missed the point as a songwriter and as an artist. Bob Seger wrote that lyric. Today's music ain't got the same soul. Right. And I, right. I always say that Chris Stapleton single handedly brought soul back to country. Yes. Yes, he did. Do you think that's what's missing in music across the board? Well, I think you know. I mean, it, it's for me. It, it's kind of uh, it's kind of hard because you know you, you see all these people that all of a sudden become overnight stars on Spotify or all these yeah. different things, and and you know and you can't help but mention Taylor Swift how popular she's gotten, you know, and it's just it's just become so commercialized and so geared towards a certain audience that it kind of overrides all of the authenticity that needs to be in music, you know, especially as a songwriter, yeah. you, know, you want to be authentic. You want to be true to yourself and you want to be true to the message that your life should portray. And so I, I think, you know, with a lot of it, it has, be, it has kind of lost its way, but it, it's done it because of business. You know, yeah. the people and they want to they want to sell to who the, the, the buyers are. But there's they don't what they don't realize is there's still a, a vast audience out there that wants good, heartfelt, you know, music. Growing up in St. Louis, Casey was the big rock station there. And that's what I grew up listening to. And as I worked in radio and as I listen to radio today, that's what's missing to me, that freshness. And a word right. that I've heard so many times from songwriters such as yourself is authenticity. Yeah. It's almost like it's mass produced music. Right. Instead yeah, of. Yeah, I mean, you look at people like Bob Dylan, you know, he, he certainly wasn't the most talented and most, you know, the greatest singer that ever came out, but the authenticity that he portrayed, yep. you know, struck a chord and reached an audience. It's you know, ironic. Yeah, was, ironic you say that because two nights ago, I'm up in Vermont. We got hit by floods this year pretty badly. And there's an organization called Hug a Farmer. And they had a benefit concert to raise money for the flood victims, the farmers, the flood victims. And it's all the area musicians, the big name musicians from around here that got together and did this tribute. And the, the theme was Bob Dylan. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you look at the things that he wrote about and all the different things, you know, I'm getting ready this week. I'm going to go see one of my other favorite all time bands and that's Kansas. Oh, you no know, kidding. Yeah. I'm going to go to their concert here. They're going to be here on Tuesday evening. And so I've been looking forward to going to that concert for some time. You know, well, do me a favor. Do me a favor. 
the lead guitarist is playing on a new amp. The amplifier okay. is called a Landry amp. At least that's what I've been told. And the reason I say that is Landry amps is one of the sponsors on the music of America podcast. Mm. And the story goes, there was a Kansas tribute band in St. Louis and, and I, the name escapes me, the lead guitarist for, for Kansas. So went, was in town, happened to go see them and they were playing through a Landry amp. And he's like, I want that amp. And Bill <laughs> Landry, who's a friend of mine, builds these custom made amps in Mississippi and now, wow. uh, for their, isn't it their 50th, right? They're celebrating their yeah. 50th, yeah, yeah. Their 50th anniversary. Kansas right. is touring and the lead guitar is going to be playing through a Landry amp. So I'd be awesome. curious to get your take on, on the amp and how it sounded. Yeah. I've always loved their sound and their, you know, the different things that they write about and their style of music. It's been one of the, one of the influences on me. Yeah. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. Because your style is mostly country, but I could see a little Kansas coming in there. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a, a you know a series of different songs. I kind of I kind of fall into one area and one feel, or I fall into another based on my southern rock influence. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of another song I wrote called "You Are," which was kind of one of those songs that you write after you've been married for forty plus years. <laughs> <laughs> it's I call it my "How to Communicate with Your Wife" song. <laughs> and it's it's really a rock song. I mean, I I have lead fills and lead solos and stuff all you know all the way through that song. Mm -hmm. You know, as a lead player, when I fall into my lead mode, I I learned a long time ago not to try to get too in, involved in the whole song. You know, you get too much lead stuff going on, it just takes away from the song. Yeah. So a lot of my country feel songs, I won't put any lead in until the, maybe the last verse or the last part of the song, which is what you heard there in Ride Cowboy Ride. Right. I came in at the end there with some nice tasty leads. And I do that same thing in one of my newer releases called Round and Around. But, you know, the song You Are is definitely a, a classic rock song. I mean, it's just in that flavor of classic rock, the whole thing. You know, it's got those lead fills and right, right. harmonies and stuff. Do you follow that basic building pattern of, you know, the uh, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, lead, chorus, chorus, fade? Um, a lot of times uh, I fall into that, you know, in, in, a, in a bit, I mean, in a few ways. I don't necessarily try to do that per se. If I don't have a bridge for a song, I won't put a bridge in. Oh, okay. you know, just if, if there's not something like an alternate statement you want to make, you know, the bridge is usually kind of either a comparison statement to what you've been saying or a little bit different view of what you've been saying or an answer to what you've been saying. You know, there's different purposes yeah. for a bridge. And if I don't necessarily feel a bridge in there, I don't put it in. Hence However, the word, hence the word bridge, you know, yeah, <laughs> <The> bridge <yeah>. is <laughs> most of my songs do have a bridge in them. You know, uh -huh. some of my older ones don't you know one of the reasons why i just don't write a lot of music that's the that's my biggest problem like i might want to say something but it's, i've said it so i i always think i have to have a bridge in here when i try and come up with a bridge it just doesn't fit and right. maybe i don't need to maybe i should just start writing without bridges and then once in a while maybe bring one in i don't know yeah yeah, I mean, if it if it happens, it does. You know, like I said, I I pretty much try to stay true to what what come what comes out. I don't yeah. try to reinvent the wheel. If I'm not feeling something and I don't have an emotional bond to it, then I'm not going to be able to flow in what I'm trying to create. 
because once yeah. you get there, you know, especially with writing, you, know, you get into a creative flow where you're writing something and it just kind of comes out. You know, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to get all these dictionaries and all these different things and go, well, let's see how else could I say that type of a thing. Now, I, I'm kind of one of those guys that a lot of times will stay true to the rhyming. You know, yeah. I, I like my I like my vocals to rhyme somewhat, you know, and it because it, what it does is when you're writing it, it creates a flow. You know, when you when you start hearing words, if you're just trying to make a statement like a lot of songs nowadays don't don't rhyme, they, they don't they don't follow that. And they're just kind of spouting off different things. You know? And that's not the way I write. I get into that creative flow and the rhyming helps me stay in that. You know, it that's helps clever. me that's see really where the next phrase is going. Good lesson, songwriters. Write that one down. <laughs> I, I say this all the time, but I've talked to so many songwriters, and there's so many different styles of doing it, but that's that's dead-on accurate, man. You know? Yeah. And the other one that I hear, I, I don't hear it say, said this way, but the theme I hear con consistently is the, they, they call it the, the kiss theory. Keep it right. simple, stupid, you know? Yeah, yeah. You don't, you don't have to make it really elaborate. You don't have to bring in a 16-syllable nope. thesaurus word just because nobody's ever done it say what you're trying nope. to say no nope. with my studio here here behind us you know this is my my studio slash office room and you know I, I i love to you know get in and start recording something and then see where it goes you know i've got a little synthesizer that i'll add some different you know keyboard parts and different things mm -hmm. and just kind of try to be as creative as i can but still keep it pretty simple you know you don't yeah. want the songs to be too cluttered Right. But at the same time, you know, I, I try to get in, like I said, that creative flow and just see where it goes. And I'll try lots of things that never make the final cut. <laughs> you know? yeah, right. That's, you got to be a good, good editor and a good mixer and a, a good, you know, master of the song to really and producer really is what that is. You know, yeah. you got to be able to a lot of people don't like to produce their own songs. But, you know, I, I do because I have the vision of what this painting should look like Correct. you know when i finish it's kind of interesting that i'm a part of the idaho songwriters association and we're doing this thing right now with the the local um, artists you know painters with this painters group and what we did was uh you know the the painters uh, we sent them a song first of all and then they painted a picture from that song wow and then they sent us a painting and we had to write a song from that painting how clever <laughs> and then we we just had one big um showcase down at one of the big hotels here in town and you could go in there and you'd look at the picture and there was a little barcode there you could scan the barcode with your phone and listen to the song and oh that's so, clever that's and vice clever. versa you know the one that you wrote the song for the painting uh -huh. which i i <laughs> you never know what you're gonna get i got a pr pretty bizarre painting sent to me <laughs> that was it took me a while to, to to really get into a flow where i could relate to that painting but finally i got in a minor key you know and and it just kind of came out <laughs> yeah so what was, was the song of, what was the song <laughs> it's called waiting Waiting, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> waiting to understand what it is I'm looking at here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just kind of a, but it, it was it was really cool. And then we have a really big um, citywide showcase coming up in December, 
that's going to be at what the jump center here, which is a big thing that J.R. Simplot built for the city, uh, you know, and uh, it's going to be, you know, advertised throughout the whole valley, you know, so there's going to be probably thousands of people coming to see the art, hear the song and hear the, you know, vice uh, versa. So it's pretty cool. Wow. So back to then, uh, what you want people to hear, what you want them to take away from your songs and under that theme of keeping it simple, how do we take those lessons and apply them to the next song magnetize? What, uh, what is simple about it and what are you trying to say here? Well, magnetize was one of those things. And of course, you know, unfortunately our country's gotten pretty divided in different areas, but you know, this was again, a song that I wrote during COVID where media was just so dominant. You know, and all the media was trying to tell us different things, you know, that weren't necessarily true or they were just they just had their own agenda. And that's what this song was written kind of as a as a reflection of, hey, you know, you've got me magnetized telling me all those lies. You know? oh, OK, OK. <laughs> and it's like a pole where a magnet pulls things to it. Right, the right. media was trying to pull everyone in the direction they wanted them to go. And so this is kind of a bit rebellious song. <laughs> and if you watch the video, you can really get that. And then I really, I, I kind of uh, actually stole a few licks from my old Leonard Skinner lead guitarist, you know, yeah. in the lead solo. I, I go into some things that he does in, in some of his different tunes, like in Freebird, actually one of the licks. I, I kind of borrowed a little bit of it from that song. Yeah, and uh, but I, I have a really nice twist on it, and I was really proud of my lead playing on this song, and just the way the whole thing came out. And it makes sense, Michael. We're about the same age, or close to the same age. I'm probably a few years older than you, but we grew up in the uh, stop the war era or post stop the war era, right around. The music was still the same, so it's yeah. just refreshing to hear uh, somebody from our generation writing a protest song. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> We're going to give it a listen. All right. Michael J. Brown from Boise, Idaho. And this is Magnetized. Oh 
Michael J. Brown, Boise, Idaho. And Michael, this is the part of the show we call Shameless Self-Promotion. So if you've got uh, shows, CDs, albums, classes, festivals, videos, starring in a new rock and roll movie, whatever, this is where you talk about it. (laughs) Well, you know, I I have a website. It's just, uh, you know, solidrockboise.com. I have a lot of my videos there and links to all my songs on Spotify, iTunes. You know, I do sell my music through iTunes or through uh, Amazon as well as iTunes and such. So if you like a song or want to hear some more, you know, I've, I've put a lot of effort into a lot of these songs. I do have an album out there called My Life in Pieces. And, you know, the, where I came up with that was sometimes we get so overwhelmed by all the things we experience and see that we just need to stop for a minute and segment our life into pieces so we can deal with one thing at a time. It's when we think we have to solve all of life's questions in one sentence that we get overwhelmed. And usually that leads us to despair, depression, and all sorts of things that are not good for us. We just take your life in pieces and let someone else help you put them together. You'll be blown away by the picture you see. And so, but that's that album there. I recorded. Um, I was using a different, you know, DAW in my studio, and and I, I'll tell you right up front, you know, the quality of the songs is not super, super good. You know, yeah. they, they are they are good. Actually, 
one of those songs was off of my uh, in 1995. I recorded four songs in Nashville. I was uh, I went down there. I had a cousin that lived there, and I went down there to pitch my stuff to a bunch of different labels. You know, I contacted them. They let me in, took my tapes, took my promo pack, and a little label called Platinum Plus Records signed me to a one-year deal. So I went down and recorded four songs in Tom T. Hall's studio with, you know, some of the best Nashville pickers and players that they're, you know, like people like Sonny Garish who played slide guitar on, you know, 80% of Garth's albums. And it was just an amazing experience. They ended up releasing two songs. And you can tell by how famous I am today how that all worked out, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, 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 nothing really, you know, there, there was a lot more involved in it, but it was an absolutely amazing experience. One of those songs I have on that album. I had a, a young man on from Georgia that recorded in Nashville, and he said, and he's only been doing this for about four or five years, you know, but he went to Nashville and he recorded, and now he can put that on his card. Right. On social right. media. So when he goes in to talk to somebody about doing a show, well, you know, I've recorded in Nashville. It 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 just it may not be a big thing to a lot of people, but it's a big thing to a lot of people to say yeah. that I've actually yeah. now it, and I told him I said, you know, Nashville isn't like this one place. Nashville's right. a city. It's got a yeah. whole lot of recording places to go to. But the image it invokes and say, I recorded at Nashville. It's like everybody went to this one place called Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Recorded. And now look how famous I can be. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Like I, said, I have it, a few social media, social media sites. I've got a Facebook page um, and I have a YouTube channel. It's just called Destiny is Calling is my YouTube channel. That's kind of my, my musical slogan, Destiny is Calling. You know, uh -huh. I think that that kind of embraces a bigger idea that, you know, I think so many people, they ask the wrong question and they expect to get the right answer. They ask the question, who am I? And in reality, the question we should ask is who are we created to be? Because every oh, one of us have a destiny. Yeah. Every one of us have a calling and a purpose in our lives. And when we find that place, it brings so much peace and so much joy and releases so much creativity because yeah. every one of us were created to do something amazing. Great words. I don't know how you follow that up, man, except say thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Michael J. Brown's been our guest today, Michael. Thanks. It's been a blast. And, um, uh, Hope to make it to Idaho someday because I want to see you. I want to see Bob. I want to see Wayne. I want to see you guys play together. Uh, yeah. Good fortune to all you guys, you know. Thank you. It's a beautiful place. Can't wait to see it. Well, thanks. It's Michael J. Brown, Boise, Idaho. And that, that wraps up that section. Up next, banjo music with Banjo Matt. You've been listening to the Music of America podcast. If you like today's show, please go to the website at www.musicofamericapod.com or our Music of America podcast Facebook page. Like us and follow the show and episodes. We tally the votes of all our shows, and the most listened to shows will be rebroadcast on our best of shows at the end of the season. I look forward to having you with us again and listening to the Music of America.